This is Agents Influence Podcast. We treat account managers like dirt a lot of times. And I just want to say to you guys, their job has changed. They used to be a producer's assistant and they're running millions of dollars of your premium now. It's a tough job. I say that if I was ever going to go to prison, Jason, I would look for the other insurance account managers and start a prison gang because they would take down that prison. These people are tough as nails, right? And they were a producer's assistant. Now they're a full-blown agent and service person and this and that. And they've got to learn technology and there's $7 million I'm Jason Cass, and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, change your finances, change your family, and in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to another episode of Agents Influence Podcast. You know, this is going to be a good podcast. I want you to know uh, this is probably about the third time we've tried it. Uh, I have. It's been crazy. Her and I both discussed that this is either going to be one of the best podcasts of 2019, because it is December 31st, or it's going to be released as one of the worst ones in 2020. So... I'm going for best, Jason. <laughs> I'm going for best too, girl. That's just how you and I do it. You know, we take lemons and may we make lemonade, and I like to add some sugar. Okay, I like so vodka, it's all right. <laughs> okay, that's a good point. We're not working today, and we are going to probably be doing that tonight. That's a good point. Not us, but you know, us with our significant others and friends. So. But yes, that is great. So Kelly, welcome once again um, to Agents Influence Podcast. Really, really great to have you. This is where we have conversations with people who are outside the agency, but the where you're so unique is you may not be in the agency, but every day of your life, you're probably in an agency, right? Uh, there's several days where I'm in an agency. In fact, my staff always teases me that it's a good day when I'm in an agency and not in the office. So um, I, I, I'm yeah. in agencies more than I'm in my own office. So it's a good testament to my I, team though. It is a good testament to your team. And that is one thing about it is that, uh, um, you are very humble in letting people know that you are just one part of this awesome dynamic that you guys have there. So that that's really good. Cause you don't necessarily always hear that a lot. So, um, let me ask you this, uh, well, for, before I do that, I actually need to say something. Give me one second, Kelly. I kind of jumped ahead because I'm so no, excited no, no, to do the no. podcast. One of the things that you loyal listeners need to know is you need to go to AIbrainshare.com, AIbrainshare.com, and you need to get your name on the waiting list, okay? I looked last night, and we have 26 people on the waiting list already. Why do you need to be on the waiting list? Because I have a list right now of 70 people that I'm going to personally invite to Brainshare. I'm taking 150 people this year. The details are probably out now that the posting of this podcast. I'm going to take 150. 50 people invite only. I already have 40 sponsors that are listed because if you don't know, we don't have sponsors or consultants or anything. We don't have a vendor trade show. They're allowed to sit in the room. If you haven't heard about BrainShare and you're wondering, ask people about it. But then when you think about it, then I also get an automatic invite to all the mastermind members. So there's going to be about 70 of them that will show up consistently every year. So you're talking 70 plus 40, that's 110. 
I have a list of 70 people to call and I've only got about 40 to 50 spots. So if you want to be on that list, I will personally call you and actually um, interview you to make sure that you're going to qualify because the people I invite are just not the cool people. They're there for a reason so that we can have a dynamic brain share. So go to AIbrainshare.com, AIbrainshare.com, click on the waiting list, put your name on there um, so that you make sure you can't cry to me like you did last year when you said, Cass, I didn't know about it. This isn't an event that we did that we broadcast everywhere. It's invite only, AIbrainshare.com. All right, here we are. Kelly, um, appreciate your time. I would like to introduce to the loyal listeners, um, Miss Kelly Donahue Pirro. And she is, well, I'll let her sell, uh, explain what she does because she does a whole lot of stuff. And for me to say that you do one thing, Kelly, would be impossible. The one thing I do know is that you change agencies for the best. You, I'm going to be honest with you, loyal listeners, when I say this. I don't hear her anything come bad after some of the people. Jeff Roy uses her. Um, Chris Paradiso and her have a relationship. A lot of people in this industry have a great relationship, Kelly. And I don't really hear anybody hear any I don't hear anybody say anything negative other than, wow, she's way better than I thought she was, and I knew she'd be good. So is those, well, those same um, things you're hearing. I don't out know there? if I hear those things directly, but that's a, a huge. I'm very humbled to hear that, um, especially from you. Um, if I can say, I'm a, I'm a longtime listener, first time guest. So um, I woke up this morning kind of excited, saying I get to be on Jason Cass's podcast today. Yeah, I know, kind of like 2019 bucket list. So uh, you know, very grateful for you to have me on. Um, I know, I know. Well, you know, I do a lot of drive time. So I listen to a lot of podcasts and I've, I've often stated in our same circles, I'm like, the thing I love about your podcast and I've listened to all different versions of them is that when you get Jason on the podcast, it's like, I, it, it's like you say everything we all think, but are like a little too ashamed to say out loud sometimes. Um, and I know that sometimes, you know, I'm sure that that, that's some controversy, but I, I love it. Like I've been in my car and been like, you tell him Jason. And there's a lot of times you're listening (laughs) going, no, um, Jason, no, no, Jason. I, and that's what I want. I love it when I get that pushback. Thank you for that. I hear that a lot. And you know what the truth of the matter is, Kelly, all I try to do, and this is what I want you and I to do on this podcast is to do nothing, but get to have people. And if you're a loyal listener, you know, this think, I want you to think about start challenging the things that you've been told because some of them work and are in our our, our um, uh, will be tested by time but some of the things you were just told because the person just told you because they were just told and I ask us to to question those things and when you do that sometimes you got to say some things or ask have people ask some questions of themselves that maybe sometimes is not the most fun you know I totally agree. And I think that, you know, it's, it's the interesting part. If you take it to, you know, politics, which no one likes talking about either. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's all the things people say at their kitchen table that you don't necessarily say out loud, ah, right. For whatever fear or apprehension of maybe mm-hmm. it not being the most polite thing to say. But I think that one of the things that we do a lot is help agency owners have that conversation with themselves mm-hmm. because a lot of times, you know, you're a business owner, I'm a business owner. There's a lot of things that you wake up in the morning and you you can see obstacles and challenges, but really having to make some of those difficult decisions. I think when you're a solo entrepreneur, you know, it's just you, you got to face that win by yourself. You know, one of the unique things I think we do well is partner with those people to help them make those decisions. And I, I kind of looked at this podcast as the opportunity to interview you a little bit as well. Uh So 
I'd like to know, Jason, like what's been your most difficult business decision you've ever had to face? Look at this, little listeners. Six minutes in, she's already turned the tables. Okay, so <laughs> say that again now because I, I got to be prepared. You said what's the most difficult right. what? What's the most difficult business challenge you've ever had to face? Ooh, 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 ooh. Okay, so this probably not might not be it because it's just off the top of my head. But as far as some of the most difficult things as a business owner, it would have to be – it's not consumers. Consumers don't upset me. They can be idiots. They can be great. That's just the way they are. It depends on what side of their bed they wrote up on. To me, it would be the relationship that I had with my business partner. For the first mm. year or two that we were together, him and I have had the greatest relationship I think any business partners could have. But for wow. the first two years, we didn't actually sit down and, and and make something. Like we didn't put it in writing. Like here's what your job is. Here's what my job is. And it led to – I'll tell you exactly what it led to. It led to him and I both acting as producers and never agency owners. What mm-hmm. do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? Yep. To, to you loyal listeners, this is important. And now, Kelly, I want to get your, your point on this because this is something I've never talked about. The fact was he got 45% commission. I got 45% commission. And it got to be at the point of the every day, even though we were growing and we had multiple staff, we were still worried about what our commission was. And as we were growing, I started realizing that this agency is just not him and I anymore. And the expenses were increasing. And to pay him 45% new business and pay me 45% new business was actually costing the company. He couldn't see that because I had never allowed him in to see that. Right. I was expecting him to be my partner, but I wasn't acting and, 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 and giving him the tools and resources he need to be able to make decisions as an owner. And it wasn't until we had somebody like Kelly, which his name was Tom Baker. I talk about him a lot. Tom came in for three days and sat down with us and literally, literally in a conference room, we went and rented a conference room. I sat on one side of the table, T- Travis sat on the other and Tom sat at the end like a counselor. And, we, and he literally started making us and, – and one thing he said, which I thought was great, is we're going to take everything off the table and we're going to rebuild the agency the way you guys would want it to look now and in five years and in ten years. That made us mm. start having conversations that we had never had. Our agency in my life has been sure. dramatically different since then. And not just for me and for Travis. The employees know. The employees know like a what to expect from Jason, what to expect from Travis. That was one of my biggest, and I'm so glad I got over that. That is huge right there because, you know, it's 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 nobody's fault, right? It's just two different perspectives mm-hmm. and some boundaries and some blockages. And I applaud you guys for having the guts to sit down and, and deal with it versus just kind of throwing the towel. Yeah, and we really didn't expect it. We were bringing Tom in to help our staff. And after he quizzed our staff before he came, some of the stuff you may do, just to kind of get a feel for it, he realized like, hey, guys, what do you guys think is your biggest issue here? And, you know, he said, well, according to your staff, it's none of the things you listed. And so then we started bringing that out, you know, and it was like, holy crap, are you serious? And a lot of it, to be honest with you, a lot of it I knew. Yeah. A lot of it, it was me trying to get Travis to understand it, but he's 32. Mm-hmm. I'm 41. He, I had ran the business for six years. He was new to the business, right? So it was kind of like, well, he, he actually was a rock star producer for a, a captive, but he was new to owning a business, right? And being ownership in it. So 
that was tough. What are some of the stuff you see out there? What would you say if there was a one or two tough things that you see? That same question to other agencies. What do you well, see it's funny out there, Kelly? You know, I don't know. It changes. I think there's some seasonality to what happens. But um, this time of year, I always see, you know, agency owners being reflective. And especially if you're in growth mode, I, I say this and I, I don't say this lately. And I'm, I'm sure some of the other people out there may may disagree. So I feel like I can say this on your on your podcast. But you're going to outgrow some of your staff and it's really hard. You know, what you can afford when you're growing might not be like the top person. And when you have a whole staff that's resistant to change and throwing up blockades and Mm. doing all this stuff, it's hard because Mm. you feel like they, you help, they helped you get their start and you feel loyal. And just two conversations I've had this month, like one woman said to me, she's like, you know, these people are like my family. I treat them like family. Why would they do this? And I just had to say to her, you know, and I'm sure you've, you've had this conversation too, Jason, they're not your family. You know, they're, they're not exactly what I was going to say. There's a a defined relationship. Like you're paying them for X amount of hours to do a job and you get to dictate what that job looks like. They don't get to do that. And, and so, you know, when we, when we treat our business, like our family, that that's a problem. And trust me, I have a whole crazy family, so I wouldn't want my business to operate like my family. Mm Mm-hmm. I hear you. Or then, you know, you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, you're working so hard to try to make everybody happy and they're still not happy. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's why I think it's so interesting. Somebody said to me a long time ago, and I, I say this probably in almost every agency assessment we go into, it's this, it's, you know, you're hiring people to make your life easier. And if there's mm-hmm. someone on your team that is not making your life easier, that's on you. You know, you have to address that's it right. head on with a performance improvement plan and either they leave or they, you know, you start looking, but you can't, you can't pay people 50 grand plus a year to, uh, to not like them <laughs> or to not make your life easy. Okay. Now let me, now, 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 now you're right. Now what's so crazy and it's just the way the world works. I'm writing this article right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. I swear to you. And it's called, it's, it's, this is not the name of it yet. I don't have the name, but the gist of it is, is that in the great separator, you will be eliminated, not by your consumer, but by your own employees. And what I mean by that is, is this, you're going to have a problem retaining and firing your employees. Mm -hmm. So if, if millennials are changing the workforce and a millennial was told, Hey, when you get older, you need, when Kelly, you and I were told when we get older, go get a job. The millennials are told when you get older, go get a job that makes you happy. The workforce is not enjoyable. I didn't say fun. I said enjoyable. It's not really very enjoyable and it has to be created that way because if you don't create that culture, create that accountability, create that path to success for them, which is what they want, that mentorship, they're going to leave and come to an agency like mine. But the opposite of that is true. What you just said, Cully, is that the reason why employees are going to eliminate you is because you don't have the what's the word to say the 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 feelings the you feel bad about letting them go you know the things that you were just saying it's like they're family i can't do that and that kind of thought process is detrimental to a business right it's super detrimental but what i find is like the owner carries it around like a winter coat in the summer you know like they spend all their time trying to make something work that is just maybe a relationship that's not meant to work mm-hmm. part of being a business owner is that you call the shots so you pick your culture you pick your people you pick all of it and i think in insurance uh you know if i had a magic insurance fairy wand i would try to solve the staffing problem because 
it's so hard. Like you feel like you have a license and you can fog a mirror. Please come work for me. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, no. Like they have to fit and they have to believe in the same things you do. Or they, the two biggest things any employee needs is to be teachable and have a good attitude. If you have that in life, you're unstoppable. Like it doesn't matter what you try to do. But if you become unteachable and you have a crappy attitude, great news. Like that is the cancer your agency can't have in it. Um, you know, one of my <laughs> – I got this 23-year-old. He's my newest employee. He's been with us about six months. He's fantastic, Kelly. Um, and and sometimes with those young people, you can't really get – it's so hard to judge the culture, right? Because like yeah. they've never worked in anything before. They don't even really know truly what they want in life yet, you know? Yeah. It's, it's so it's difficult. But one of these things I was telling to um, – I was talking to Joe about learning, about what you just said. You know, two things, be yeah. teachable and have a good attitude. And he said – you have sometimes in life you have to learn how to learn, Jason. It's the first step in not being ignorant. <laughs> and when he said that, I thought to myself, I was like, that's great. You know, I was like, that's exactly what it is. Because a lot of people say, well, I can't do that because I just don't know. Well, you got to learn, right? I mean, and it's so easy to learn today. It's so like, easy. It's so easy to learn today. <laughs> yes. I just, it's it's so hard. I was thinking, you know, like I, I always, I don't have children and uh, kids aren't really my thing. So like, I'm, I'm always looking at these little people and I'm like, man, when I had to learn something and I think you and I are probably around the yes. same age, right? yes. like, like I had to go to the library and get yes. like a book and yes. like return it. And like today, like they just grab this thousand dollar cell phone. Like Jason, my mom wouldn't even give me like a new basketball to play with. Like we got used ones because she wouldn't trust me with like an $8 basketball. <laughs> like, like kids today have thousand dollar cell phones, <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, what is going Good boy. on? Um, but like today you could learn anything. Like I could be driving and listening to a podcast. Like the amount of work it took for me to learn things was so epic when I was a kid. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. And like with Joe, anytime we talk about anything in the office, cause we have an open, um, open floor. So yep. we have no walls or anything. And anytime we talk about it, uh, a topic and we'll be like, you know what? I wonder about this or that. When he hears that it's like automatic to him. He just goes right to Google and immediately looks it up. Like I sometimes tell him, I say, Joe, when we're having a conversation and we're trying to figure something out, we don't necessarily want the answer right. immediately. You know, we actually want to like try to think about it, you know? And he's like, Oh, well, that's what they got Google for. And I'm like, I know, but Joe, we're trying to use our own brain here for a minute, you know? So, yeah. Hey, Kelly, something that everybody's going, what in the world? Are you an iPhone or are you a Droid user? I'm an iPhoneer. Um, I, you iPhone-er. know, somebody once told me you have to like pick your ecosystem. Um, mm-hmm. You can't, but I don't know. I feel like I'm a, I'm an iPhoneer, but then for insurance purposes, PCs are better. You know, I have Alexa at home. I don't know. I'm kind of crossbreeding all over the place with my ecosystem. <laughs> I think I know this answer, but do you love to win or do you hate to lose? Oh, oh my God. I love to win. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. I Kelly, love to win. I think, <laughs> Kelly, I think if we asked a hundred agents in America that know you, if you love to win or hate to lose, I'm willing to bet the majority, maybe not the vast, but the majority is going to say that you love to lose. Really? And the reason is, yeah, the reason is, is because you're aggressive. You're, 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 you're determined. You know what I mean? You know what works. You know what doesn't work. Not necessarily. I mean, every agency is unique, but you know what I mean? You've seen what works. And sometimes you're so forward and you're so aggressive. You seem like the person that would just be like livid if you lost. But I said to myself, I'm like, you know what? I know her and I bet you she's, she likes to win. So I, I, you know, I think it is, it's like when I lose, 
Um, and I've studied a lot of like high performing teams, like whether it be like, you know, I grew up in Connecticut, so the Yukon Huskies always played Tennessee and, uh, and the mm-hmm. women's basketball, like Pat Summit used to like not get out of bed for three days if she lost. And like, I don't right. have it to that degree, but like if I lose, I definitely, it takes a little wind out of my sails and I definitely get very reflective, but then I get pretty aggressive after. <laughs> Well, that's good. See that that works that way. I, I don't know if it works, but you it's said that you, it's it's, the, it's my go-to. <laughs> you had a uh, you have a wild and crazy family, and I've noticed after doing four hundred and some of these that it's really funny how this next question some uh, not to everybody but to a lot of people is is um, indicative of their mm-hmm. family life that they had when they were younger. But would you consider yourself to be stronger because of your strengths or your are because of your skill or luck? Oh, um, I, you know, that's such a weird question because um, I don't like, I, you know, I think there's a lot of things that made me very strong, but then there's also some times where like, like, I'll just give you a weird example. Um, we changed banks and it was just happened to be like, I changed banks. And and so I moved all this money, you know, right around tax season where I have to push this big tax payment. And so I moved all this money and I moved it all to bank of America where we had other accounts and, uh, Lo and behold, Bank of America put this like two week hold on like tens of thousands of dollars. No. I was like, I was like, I need to pay the taxes. Like I did this to make it easy. You know, I did something to make our lives easier that turned out oh. to be harder. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, you know, I'm like looking around I'm like, all right, well, I could scrape all this stuff together and we'd be fine to make the, the final tax payment and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, whatever. And it was just like, and then I just thought to myself, like, it's going to be fine. Like you just have that feeling. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like there's some kind of little guardian angel, like that sometimes like, kicks fate's butt for me. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, like I, agree. I got the phone call yesterday. They were going to, or the couple days ago, they were going to clear it. So it's like, anytime it's like, it just seems like there's a little, a little something out there looking out for me. But, um, I don't know, like to me, if, and I guess it goes into what I do every day of helping train agencies, like you have to keep working on your skill. Like I, I don't understand people who don't read or listen to podcasts or videos. Like I, I don't understand the idea that somebody knows everything or mm-hmm. doesn't want to be challenged in their thinking. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, in what I get to do every day, I walk into agencies where there's a very resistant staff a lot of times, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I ran into it this morning on a call, you know, oh, well, we're so busy. There's no way we can call renewals. There's just no way. And I just said, well, here, we're going to give you an hour time block to do it. Well, people are going to call. I said, don't take the phone call. Well, people are going to walk in, put a sign on your desk that you're in a meeting. Like, you know, people right. want to stay in their comfort zone. And it just, uh, that's the part about life that gets me as I don't understand how you stay in your comfort zone forever. So you hit on something that I do a lot of, th- I do so much thinking. I just do. And I wish I didn't. Yeah. But then I love when I talk to people like you who bring this stuff up that maybe I haven't thought about in a month or two. But I had this saying or this thought one day. And my thought was, is that video is a lazy man's book. Mm. Why do I say that? The reason why I know video is is great, right? But so many people today don't read like they used to. And a lot of these people will start to counter it with, well, I watch YouTube videos, right? Well, I watch documentaries. Mm. And so anytime I start to hear this, I start questioning it. And I started thinking to myself, the difference is though, is when I'm reading that book or I'm listening to that audible, I'm using my own imagination to create the video. Mm. Right. 
Yep. But when I listen to somebody, when I watch somebody else's video, I'm watching their imagination of the story they're telling. It's true. So, so, so I'm really, that's where I think sometimes that you should still read or listen to audiobooks, even if you still want to do all your stuff through video and stuff. I'm not saying that's bad. I do it a lot too. I love watching documentaries. But what I'm saying is, is we are we are limiting our own creativity and our own imagination, which becomes very vital in the day-to-day operations of our agency when we have to make snap quick decisions on some things. And, then, and, and allowing us to say, I'm going to create my own movie rather than somebody else creating that for me. I think there's a lot of stuff that we're losing there, especially with our kids being on, oh, they watch YouTube all the time. They know everything. Yeah, but they're, they're, to them, their life is like YouTube, um, yeah. a fix-it channel, right? It's, you don't know how to do your dishwasher? Well, you don't need to read the instructions or learn it yourself. Just turn on this video. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I do that too. But I think when everything becomes about that and we're not actually sitting down and reading and using our own imagination on things, that that could be – I think that could be detrimental in the future. Well, and like my brain – like I don't mind watching a video for – like we just set up our new video studio. Like I've been watching videos on how to make the camera do this and that. Like that helps me out. Mm-hmm. But when I'm thinking about bigger philosophical things, like I may need to reread that like five times. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> um, Exactly. You know, and to me, like in my mind, like, and I'm highlighting it and I'm like thinking about it and I'm taking notes and I'm like, okay. And I've gone back and forth to books. Like I switched over to the Kindle just because for travel, like it's so light, it's so easy. And I love that I can go back and like, where's that one passage I was looking for? And I can find it so easy versus, Mm -hmm. you know, having to go through book after book. But, you know, to me, I don't know. And reading is also like quiet. Like, I don't know about Mm -hmm. you, but more and more, the older I get, I'm like, quiet is like such a blessing. Mm -hmm. There's not this sound. There's not these lights. It's just like everything in the world. And in order for me to read, it has to be quiet. I'm not one of those people who can read in like a, you know, crazy environment, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm all for reading. And, you know, I, I get to spend a lot of time on airplanes. So I do a lot of reading there. I just, I couldn't imagine, I don't know, when you're watching a video, you're watching the person so much, their mannerisms, what they're wearing, yes. like your brain is making all these decisions subconsciously that aren't the same as reading. And because the scene is changing on their terms, you don't get to imagine what you want. So I say this, I say this a lot. Very rarely do I, yes, but very rarely do I watch a movie and like fade off to thinking of what I think the movie should be about or whatever. Like you're usually, you can't because the scene's going to turn. And so you have to pay attention to the next scene. You will find yourself a lot with a book, like wandering off. Now me, I'm not wandering off thinking about doing the, the dishes. I'm wandering off thinking about like, okay, wait a minute. So I see how this is happening. So how would this happen or what's going to happen? We do that in movies, but I don't think we realize we are cut short because when the next scene comes, it's like, crap, I got to pay attention to the next scene. You don't have to do that with a book. Sometimes you have to go back because your mind journeyed off. My point is, it's the imagination that we're not using yeah. anymore. And uh, we, we're doing that with a lot of stuff. And I'm, I'm just going to say it. We don't have to go there. But it's one of the downfalls of um, – see, this is what Cass does on his, on his podcast. It's one of the downfalls of uh, lack of romance and intimacy mm. in the world. Right, I, I, because there's a lot of videos out there, and that are 
taking away from a man's or a woman's imagination and putting into their head what is on that video. So when you take that same frame into learning into something like about a book, whether it be learning about computers, you're taking it away from your own imagination of how that could work in your agency and instead putting it into somebody else's. And, and that's just been my, my friend or my frame of thought as, as video is a lazy man's book. I like that. I like that. And let me ask you this. Have you ever thought about taking a social media break? Yeah, I have. I have. I have. Do you want me to give you my reason why I have it? Because we're all full of reasons. I don't believe I'm on social media that much. I really don't. Okay. I, I post, if you go to my Facebook feed right now, I, I post, oh my gosh, I don't know, two times a week maybe. If that, sometimes I'll go weeks yeah. without. If my family's in town, we may do two or three, right? I yeah. use Facebook for this. Very simple. That's why I don't use Twitter. LinkedIn, I just go out there to support my friends. To be honest with you, LinkedIn yeah. is awesome, but all it is is a rah-rah. Like it, I it's, agree. It's like, how much can you make me rah-rah? Sometimes I wonder, has anybody ever heard these things that people are saying? Because I watch the video and I'm like, yeah, I was told that when I was 21, right? I don't know <laughs> if, if people are getting that. But anyways, I don't do a lot of social. What I use social for is my scrapbook. Simply as yeah. that. I want to yeah, be 80 yeah. years old and flip through it with my great-great-grandkids and listen to the podcast that I did with Kelly on 2019, right? And th th that was will be so cool to me. Why people say that like I check in everywhere I go. I don't check in everywhere I go so you can know. I check in everywhere I go because at the end of the year, Facebook draws out for me in a map everywhere that I went and when I went there. And it's cool to see myself crisscrossing across America and to be able to say, boom, that's where I went in 2019. I love that. Yeah. So I use it as a documenting service. Um, now, if you listen to the last podcast I did with Troy Thompson, um, I, I think it just came out like last week, but he's went like no cell phone. He went and got a flip phone. I mean, I heard he's that like, one actually. Yeah. But as far as social media, I do post a lot inside of my mastermind, my mastermind Facebook group. I do post a lot in there, but those are conversations, right? Mm -hmm. Those are conversations that you and I are having right now. It's just not like rah, rah. Uh, have so, you, are you thinking about it? Well, so it's really interesting to me because I, I'm like you, I don't post that much like on business purposes I do, but not personally. Mm -hmm. I do scan, but one of the things that I made a very big point of last year and was I get really nauseous of everything looking so perfect on social media. <laughs> and so like, mm -hmm. you know, cause it's just too fake. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, it, I think the people out there who are putting too perfect have the most screwed up stuff going on. And part of it is, you know, I work with a lot of high profile agencies that everybody looks up to, you know, but every business has its challenges. So, you know, it, anytime you're looking up at somebody and you're thinking, oh, I just want their agency. Just remember, there's a whole host of stuff everyone has. So oh, I made it yeah. as a point this year to post like the dumb stuff that happens to me. <laughs> so like one time I had like my leggings on inside out and I was on an airplane for the next six hours. Mm -hmm. um, another time, like I packed two of the wrong shoes. So I literally had two mismatched shoes for a total three day training. Um, like, <laughs> yeah, like, like just like the dumbest things that like, cause somebody said to me once, it's like, I, I posted it and they're like, Oh my God, I'm so glad to know you're not perfect. I'm like, Holy macaroni. Like, 
if that's how I'm presenting, there's a whole other mm-hmm. side of like oh, me like falling or I like I constantly have dipping sauces on me because I can't get them in my mouth correctly. So like correct on a given day, you'll probably find like ketchup on my shirt. <laughs> so check this out. This is a big thing with Erin Nutting right now. Her and I have been talking yeah. about this a lot. And the fact of of social media is just it's just what it is. It's fake, right? And we're getting right. you you once again. You, I can't expect you to listen to every podcast, but one of the podcasts I gave, I was talking with one of my friends and then I gave this podcast and I said this story, but my buddy, we were talking about the same exact thing. And he showed me a picture of him and his family standing in front of the magic kingdom castle at Walt Disney world. And it's him, his wife, his two sons and his daughter. And they're just, just the greatest picture in the world, just smiling. And he says, Jason, he said, two seconds before this video was, was snapped. I was yelling at my wife. She was yelling at the daughter and she said, and then we snapped the pictures. I grabbed both my sons and went one way. She grabbed my daughter, my wife and grabbed my daughter and went the other way. And we didn't talk for two hours. (laughs) That's real life. (laughs) It is real life. But in the picture, if you saw that picture, Kelly, you were like, Oh man, that just looks great, you know? But we we snot we stop for a minute. It's like my pastor always says, you're just getting somebody else's highlight reel. That's all no you're doubt. getting, you know? No and doubt. So, yeah, so Erin, for instance, her her or her daughter or son took the Cheerio bowl and just threw it all over the kitchen <laughs> off of off his high chair. And she's like, you know what? This is a perfect example. And she snapped the picture and put it on Instagram. Yeah. And she said, I wanted to put that out there because that happens every day in mothers' lives, but that we don't show that, you know? No doubt. And I think that's real. I think in five to ten years, you we're gonna start to see that pendulum swing as it does now to where I think you're going to start getting social media is going to become more real. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. I don't know what that looks like, but I think it's going well, to. Well, it's like the whole thing. I know you said, um, I, I, you know, like I don't really go on Instagram. Like I know I should, but I don't because everything's these beautiful mm. photos of like amazing, most amazing things. And like sometimes it's sad. Like I'm in an airport in like Des Moines, Iowa at 11 o'clock at night trying to get home. And like everyone's at home with their, their like kids and dogs and puppies. And I'm like eating a hot dog with ketchup on myself. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, am I ever going to? Kelly, I don't think, I don't think many people realize what you just said. You're at eleven o'clock at night at Des Moines, Iowa airport. I have been there, sister, many times, and that's not a fun place. That's not a fun place. It's nice, but it's like so small. You know, there's not much to do. I mean, it's not like you're going to really just go like. There's not a ton of bars and stuff. Like you know, sometimes. No, any airport at eleven o'clock at night is one of the more depressing places to be in the world. To be honest, like if you're in an airport at 11 o'clock at night, like you're either getting on a red eye to sleep uncomfortably or you are stuck someplace and you mm-hmm. are calling in every favor to God, promising mm-hmm. that you will be a better person <laughs> to get home. 
Kelly, how many clients do you have? So right now, let's see, I have a project management system open. Right now we have, let's see, 89 open projects. 89 open projects. What software do you use, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, We are in a combination of Insightly and um, for our project management and HubSpot for our marketing. Oh, fantastic. Sweet. That's good to know. I just thought I'd ask you real quick. Yeah. And uh, so you said you have 80-something open projects? 89 open projects. 89 open projects. And, uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, are you getting to the point where you can't take on any more employees or are you just building a team to take on more? I mean, what's the deal? you say that we're working on a top secret project Uh-oh. that um i'm happy to spill the beans a little bit on your podcast yeah this will come out probably about Sorry. in the middle of january it's it's okay we've been a little vocal about it. We're, we've been starting to set the groundwork so mm-hmm. uh, the two biggest objections we get to working with agencies are time well three there's three time people don't have the time to commit and you know it, it's an investment so people want to make sure that the time is cleared to commit they're not sure their staff will buy in, which to me is a symptom of leadership, not, you know, like if I'm owning a business and I'm worried what my staff will think, I think I have mm-hmm. to look in the mirror a little bit, you know, like if this is what I want to do in my business, my staff better be there to commit. And the third one is just kind of expense. You know, we're not for every size agency. And so we're we're developing actually a um, training subscription service where you can actually get high-quality trainings in their um, quarterly subscription box. So we're going to mail you the training materials, and it's going to be part video. There's quizzes. There's a community. Um, and it's going to basically be you know training on demand. So if you're struggling with too many cancellations, you can go and buy the cancellation training. And in eight to 10 weeks, your team will have scripts and role-playing videos, anything that they would need to help strengthen them up in that area. Wow. So very good, Kelly. That's going to be successful. That is needed. <laughs> well, we're trying to do it a little different. Like I've seen a lot of the video training platforms come and go a little bit. So we're really trying to make it a community of like, and also get the account managers talking. Like one thing that's been so inspiring for me to see is like IAOA and some of these different, you know, organizations really united agency owners I still think there's a long way to go with uniting producers and account managers together. Like they're very isolated still. And I'd really like to try to build a community where they can communicate some of the best practices that they're seeing at their desk. Hold up. Hold up. So the last podcast that came out, which is Ryan Dietz, which came out, uh, what is today? Okay. Like came out last Friday or something, which was a huge hit. The name of the podcast is, is, I can't remember now, but it's what is an account or account you know, manager centric culture. That is the podcast I'm listening to on Thursday. I have to drive for an hour and a half. So you are next up. On my and list. it's good. Yeah, I'm excited. Too. And it's good. It's really good. And he's the one that brought that up. And so we have a conversation about what he thinks. And then we kind of tie it into the agent of the future study that was done last mm-hmm. year, where they talked about producers and account managers are starting to come together. And, and then he throws out there, which you're going to love it, he throws out there the importance of, of saying that he feels um, that producers are babied and taken care of more than account managers are, which I will say that's 1,000% yeah, yeah, true. No and then his reasoning is, is because most agencies are led by ex-producers. True. Right? So they're the ones that get it. So I brought this up to my business partner, Travis, and we were talking about this before Christmas. And I said, Travis, I said, this is, this is a true conversation. I'm going to give a bonus to 
a person in my office who's Sarah, who is my head person, okay? And the bonus was a little bit bigger than I was going to give to my other staff, which was righteous and rightful. But he had a problem in the fact that the producer was not getting as much as her. And I said to him, and I said to him, I said, Travis, I said, wait, if, if he leaves or he leaves, you and I are producers. We can, we can still take this thing and keep it going. We're not going to lose business, dude. I mean, that's just the way it is. If she leaves or she leaves, they're not going to hold us hostage. We'd get past it. But holy crap. I mean, all the downloads and knowing all the customers and everything. And I mean, not only that, the skills that they provide, we wouldn't want to let them leave. And I ended up losing. I ended up losing. And after we had this conversation, I just said, okay, fine. And so the producers got the higher of the bonuses. And I want you to know, and Travis doesn't listen to this podcast, but if he happens to be, I completely <laughs> disagree with it. He knows it. But uh, but we had a conversation and I'm going to just like being married, I'm going to pick my battles. And it wasn't that much of a difference in the money in the first place, but it was a different amount. And my team doesn't know. So it's only him and I, but it, it got back to this account manager centric culture. And I believe that producers today are way no, overpaid, they're way overpriced, and they're and they and they're way overbabyfied. And the people that are really making this stuff happen are happening inside of the office. And I'm really glad someone like you. Now, here's the thing: I think is going to change this to what you're saying. We're becoming a more woman-dominated society. We are. This is the change that's occurring. In the next 200 years, we're going to have more women presidents than we do men. We're going to start to realize that multitasking, caring, um, socialization, understanding feelings, those are the things that millennials are looking for in the workplace. Those are the things that millennials are going to start looking for as the things that they want to do business with. Well, not start, they are. And you're starting to realize that these these skills that these producers have are so great. But to be honest with you, they're very limited. It's like, oh, he's really good at prospecting and he's really good at follow-up. Well, great. So is every account manager plus seven other things, right? And and it's, it's what do you, okay, I'll stop. Kelly, what do you think about that? No, no, no. You're, I mean, I'm getting all fired Come on, up come on, come on. I know you feel this way. Part of me from New England is I have no problem cutting people off mid-sentence, so I apologize. Uh, it's just, it's a thing we ahead, do girl, here. Come on. Um, I can't like I, I I want to like hug you through the podcast right now so hard because to me this is the whole thing like we treat account managers like dirt a lot of times and like I just want to say to you guys their job has changed they used to be a producer's assistant and they're running millions of dollars of your premium now mm. and because they house accounts right so now they're taking on the house accounts because you know when a producer leaves why why do we why would you give another producer a book of business they don't produce right that's silly you know for smaller stuff not for the large stuff but mm-hmm. th- that happens now they're also supposed to sell so they're supposed to juggle claims and sales and retention and this and everything they do is wrong and these people, by the way, are working mothers, okay? So they go home to feeling Come like they're on. not doing a good job. They're at their desk. They don't feel like they're doing a good job. And they're living paycheck to paycheck. So when someone calls up and says, my rate went up $200, they're like, man, I don't know what I would do. Let me help you. Good you know, and at, the, and at the end of the day, like the producers are golfing and doing all these things. And there's a definite difference. There are two different personalities. Yep. Producers wouldn't want to be account managers and account managers wouldn't want to be producers. But if there is one thing I could tell producers, it's 
You need to treat your account manager like they walk on water and they are the second to third most important person in your life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. When you when you don't respond to them on your account that you're making commission on, when you know you give them a piece of paper scribbled on without all the information and tell them to call while you sit in the owner's desk and drink scotch or whatever, mm-hmm. like you're basically giving them double freedom rockets all day long. Double freedom rockets. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like here, you know. And by the way, I'm I'm going to be taking off in the next two weeks. Have a nice day. Okay, great. I'll pick up the one one renewals right now. And, you know, like that, it's a tough job. Like I, I say that, you know, if I was ever going to go to prison, Jason, I would look for the other insurance account managers and start a prison gang because they would take down that prison. <laughs> These people are tough as nails, right? And, you know, it's the worst thing in the world. Like they were a producer's assistant. Now they're a full-blown agent and service person and this and that. And they've got to learn technology and there's 7 million things coming at them. And inherently, the one thing that most account managers are not good at, which would change their lives, is being able to say no and manage expectations. Mm -hmm. Like we deal with this a lot. We have a whole six-month time management program. And we say to people, you know what? You have to stop using phone voice. You know, phone voice goes like this, Jason. Hey, Jason, your renewal's coming up. When you get a chance, if you could send me your updated payroll, that'd be really great so I can work on your renewal. Whenever you can, I'll be here. Anything you need, just let me know. Then Jason called, you know, Jason, hey, this is just following up. I'd like to get your renewal submitted, but, you know, need that payroll. Again, here, eight to five. If you need me to stay late, I'll be there. I'll be there for you. And then all of a sudden, Jason's like, no big deal. No big deal. I run a business. This doesn't sound important. So then they're scrambling around the last five days before renewal. Everything goes to hell in a handbasket. And, you know, we're just sitting here like sitting ducks. And I'm like, guys, no, you need to call up a business owner or even a personal lines customer and say, Jason, if you want me to submit your renewal in time to get you the most competitive pricing and make sure that you have the best product, I need your updated payroll by Tuesday at five. And even though you don't need it till Friday, you're going to tell Jason you need it Tuesday at five. And when Jason gives it to you on Wednesday, say, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to do it, but I'm going to try. But really, you need to make sure you get me in my deadlines. Like, I don't understand why we we try to bend over backwards for everybody. Like, people love direction and guidance. And when you take a different approach, you'll get what you need, like, lickety split. I'm only, you hear me typing back here because I'm typing down this note real quick. Because I'm I'm literally, I typed in here at 43 minutes, show this to staff. Because I'm serious. I'm so serious because this is so important what you're saying about this voice. I have thought this before about my staff and I've thought to myself like, do I go into that voice or – and I probably do. Maybe I don't. But I love that that you – this is how I know you're really good at what you're talking about, Kelly. You're not in there just talking about like – Oh, let's build, you know, how do you get your retention numbers, you know, and hey, let's increase sales. You do that too. I get it. But it's also about the little things, right? Like how your voice is projected, having some kind of authority in what you're doing to let them know that you're just not a peon. You're actually there to help them, but they have to help you help them, right? I, I love that. And, you know, going back to the account manager, one of the funny things is, is that, as agency owners, and I didn't get a chance to say this to Travis. Travis and I's offices are an hour away, and yep. I thought of this when I was traveling back home. And I said, Travis, I wanted to say to him, I should have said this, is that we are so driven by retention in our agencies, but yet the person who's in charge of retaining that account is the one who we just gave the least amount to for a damn bonus. Because, right. do, oh, well, Which, the, by the way, like $500, Jason, would change that person's life. Exactly. 
I know. And and the thing about it is, Kelly, is it's like is it's like they they are the one because so many my producers are terrible at doing renewals. They think walking in there saying, "Hey, how you doing? Yeah, we need to get these new supplementals." And we have went through training and training. Now I do notice with the larger clients, yes, they are more hands on and they do help with those a lot. But I will tell you what, when with our accounts that are one hundred and fifty thousand or more, I will tell you the account manager is doing way more work to, to to retain that thing than that agent is way more work and how we know that to be true is not from my book of business which my book of business is probably modeled after everybody else's it's whenever we go in to quote somebody else and they'll say oh i haven't dealt with that agent like in five to ten years i just deal with susan the account manager i don't even know who the hell of the agent is anymore if you hear that happening and a lot of times because you're out selling and that's the scenario that's probably the scenario in your office too and that's what I tell my staff is that we have to understand we're just not like different than everybody else. When we hear about what these other agencies are doing wrong and it's helping us get the business, we need to be stopping and thinking to ourselves, are we doing that at any time? And, and sometimes that's a tough conversation that we don't want to have. No, we don't want to have it because you know what? We're perfect. We're doing things. We're selling things. You know, if somebody doesn't want to do business with them, it's their problem. Um, you were talking about one of the things you're writing and this is what I love. You know, you want to, you want to push a producer back. Why don't you hold them accountable to prospecting activities? Like, I don't know what it is in insurance, but producers hate prospecting as if Mm -hmm. it's something that they don't have to do as a salesperson. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think it's so funny because, you know, today it's like, oh, well, I'll just work off referrals and this. And I said, what if you knew right now that February or March was going to be the worst month you've ever had? Mm -hmm. What would you do differently now? Oh, I'd I'd prospect. I'd ask for business. I said, why not do it now? I mean, and I'm not saying about going out and knocking on cold outdoors and, and, you know, taking out the phone book. I'm talking about having like a top 25 target list that you're Mm -hmm. consistently working on. I'm talking about going out there and meeting with your clients and asking for referrals. I'm talking about in commercial pulling your certificate requesters and asking your clients for introductions because they're doing business with them. And it's like, we just wait for the phone. I did some work with AAA um, a while back, and they had this this theory. Their producers were aggressively waiting for the phone to ring. That was their sales strategy. <laughs> and I was like, wow. I, but it made so much sense, right? Like, you, if you're in sales, you need to donate some of your time to prospecting, top of the funnel activities. And you know, I I just, especially in commercial, where I think it's so easy because of that certificate list, it's like we just sort of skip over it. Like, well, people will call me when they're ready. Right. So check this out. So we let go of one of our producers. I believe in hire slow, fire fast. I don't sure. mess around. Whether or not that's good or bad, it doesn't matter. I, I I can't let this ship sink. I've got 13 house payments and I mean 13 car payments and seven house payments yeah. that I'm responsible for. Gotta go. This producer said to us, so we pay sales double. Yep. Um, around $26,000 a year to do nothing but cold call for commercial mm-hmm. clients for us. And we do. We have a KPI system awesome. through Symphony, and we, we, we do want their prospecting. Um, and we, we're not as good as we should be in it. But we do set different KPIs for things that they have to attempt in prospecting. And so at the um, almost at the third quarter meeting we were having with this agent around September or October, he said to us, he said, guys, I just, he's like, I'm, I'm doing all I can and, and da, 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 da. And his numbers aren't right. terrible. They're really not, but they're not good. And, and, and he's young. And I said to him, I said, and we, so we've been helping him through the whole year. And finally we got to the point where his whole thing was he wanted more money. And I, we, and our thing is if you want more right. money, go sell. Right. And he's like, well, I'm doing this or that. So Travis and I set him up 
And we knew that we were going to fire him or we would help him based on his answer. Now, whether this is wrong or not, it's just the way of what happened. And there's a lot of context to this. We told him that we're not going to spend any more money on him, but that we would give him more money. And we laid out all the services that we provide for him. And we put a dollar amount to them. And we said, we're spending $121,000 with salary and everything that we're expecting. We're sending that. We're spending $121,000. We're not going to spend another dime more. But of all these things, what do you want to take out? You want to take away the the cold calling? Because your part about about it is probably about $12,000 of that $26,000. So so we will give you that $12,000 right now. We will, we will, we will have them stop cold calling for you. And why he got fired is the answer he gave. He said, I'll take it. The reason why I got upset with this was this. How in the hell are you telling me that you are prospecting your butt off every day? But yet I tell you, if I take away your prospectors that are helping you and I give it to you and you have to do all the prospecting, and, and, and but you get the money and you told me you could? Oh, I, I thought you didn't have any time to prospect. I thought you're freaking – if you're prospecting 10 hours a day or 8 hours a day and I tell you, hey, I'll give you $12,000 but you're, I'm taking away all of your prospectors for you, right. that answer should be no because you don't have any time. It came back, it came down to the point that we had had multiple conversations with this agent and it didn't have to do with any of the bullshit (laughs) he was talking about. He wanted more money and he didn't want to have to work for it. That's really what it truly came down to. And Brent Kelly is the one who brought this into our brain because he said, he said, Jason, one of the most detrimental things we can do to producers is subsidize those who are not doing their job, but the others are subsidizing them who are. And that really hit Travis and I like, holy shit, like we've got that going on in our agency right now. When we got rid of that producer, two of the other producers came to us within the first couple of weeks and was like, we really like him. We liked his family and stuff, but we are, we feel as if we're going to be a better agency because we got rid of him. We just want you to know that. Have we in the last three or four months? I, I'm not going to sit here and say I've tracked it and said yes or no, but I know that we're on the the, the targets that we need to be. But my point was, is that these producers they all are thinking about themselves, <laughs> and that's fine. I was a producer. I think about myself too. But I also – the problem I right. have with it though, Kelly, is they don't want to go to freaking work, and that's what it takes. That's what it freaking takes is to go to work. Like you just said, what was the thing you said? I've been taking so many notes here. You said that two things that you need is to be teachable and a good attitude. If you're teachable and you have a good attitude, you want to go to work. You understand that the company vision is your vision, and you're going to work tough for it because they've told you on the back end that when we win, we all win. And if you haven't been told that, well, maybe you need to find a different place to work. But I'm not here to beat up producers. They're very, very important. But I also have to say that Travis and I, being the owners for five years, for three or four years, we were very reactive in our selling. We weren't very proactive. and We were growing, right? So these people are not going to keep me hostage. Um, and it's just the way that I feel about that. I'm, I'm very adamant. So I, I think you're going to like that podcast because well, Ryan makes some very good points. Yeah, I definitely want to He really out. does. Um, well, we always say that, you know, if the agency generates a lead, the commission should be different than if the producer generates mm-hmm. it. Yes. Like why? And I mean, we've been as bold as to get out in there and, you know, producers are going to turn off their podcast right now when I say this. But, you know, if you can't follow a simple new client setup, like get an email address, get a cell phone number. If you can't follow that, your commission is going to get dinged as well, because there's no way I'm going to have the account manager go chase your dirty work. Like, you know, I was always just trained in sales. Like 
You want to bring in this deal and clean and pristine and make that handoff to the team that's going to go support it. And, you know, if you want to send in crap, to me, it's just unacceptable. Mm -hmm. How long does it take to get someone's email address? You have it. You're just not filling out the stupid field, you know, and you're making everybody else work for it. But, you know, and I'm not saying that for you should be doing, you know, certificates for people. I'm talking about when you sell something, that deal should come in crystal clear, Mm -hmm. perfect. So that everybody else, that, that initial buyer's remorse phase isn't on you, you know, like it's, I just don't understand sometimes, I guess, when people say, oh, I'm a producer, I'm not good at paperwork. I'm like, I'm a producer and I challenge myself to be good at paperwork. There you go, girl. There you go. (laughs) Right? Like, like I I have to take out my little roadmap that I had to create with my team of when I sell something, what has to happen? And I check it all Mm -hmm. off, you know, because I'm not going to make my accounting department go fumble around and send an invoice to the wrong email address. That's not, that's a bad customer experience. It's absolutely. Yep. You know, like, especially when it comes to collecting so, the information. Yeah. Um, I got so tired of, uh, of it that my CSR, my head account manager taught me something when I was a producer in the business and I would tell her like, Oh, well it's these accord forms, you know? And so she went and she took all the accord forms and she reproduced them onto word files with with question after question on top of each other, like from the top to bottom, you know, I still use them to this day yeah. because like what I did was they were 16 pages long. I cut them to like five pages long, but the the producers will still come to me and say, oh, I forgot to get that piece of information. And I look at them and I'm like, you asked the question before, you asked the question after. And that's a question that they should have known. What what did you not ask that question for? Oh, well, I did, but I didn't put it down. Or they'll do exactly what you said, Kelly. And the reason why we're saying this, loyal listeners, is not to bash producers. We're letting you know what she experiences and what I experience is what you experience. That's what we're trying to let you know. And so, and and these these I just these producers, man. <laughs> and then you give them the you give them the information that they have to answer, and they give it to you, and then they do the simple thing like, oh, we forgot to get an email address. And what do they always say? Yeah, just have just have Sarah call and get it. Yeah. No, you asshole. She's busy doing something. You're on the road right now. You call them and get it and, and then mail it and email it to her, you know? I mean, yeah, I I get frustrated. I really do. I've been away from being a producer long enough. I mean, and I do produce, I just train, but I've been away from that long enough and been running the business and seeing the business side of it that I don't know how, first of all, my agency owners who trained me, I don't know how they did it. Cause I mean, I was demanding. <laughs> I really was, but Kelly, but Kelly, Kelly, right. I worked, right. right. I worked hard. I mean, I, I tell this a lot. I got a producer, he's been with us for a year and a half, and he has like a $1.1 in premium. Okay, now get it, for the first half a year, he was in training and stuff, so I think that he's doing really good. But I also went back and showed him back in 2003, when I was hired at the beginning of 2002, that I had a $3 million book of premium, and I didn't have all the technology he had. I didn't have someone cold calling for me. I didn't have a CSR who was submitting it to carriers and doing all my certificates of insurance and doing this. But in 2003, 2004, I did, they finally did hire me a CSR who she just worked with me. Her name was Lorna Monroe. She literally taught me how to really write insurance. And um, so, so I have this problem and it's a, it's a problem that we have with a lot of these producers today who want two, $3,000 a month and they want 20, 30, 40% commission on top and they want someone to prospect for them. You really want to look at them and go, what the hell is your job? What is your job? You know what I mean? Well, well to, talk to, to talk to highly qualified, interested people that are looking for a quote. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. 
like not to sell, you know, cause like then we talk about, well, how many times you follow up? Well, I don't do that that well, not to go out and bring it in. And that's, that's them in a, a shift right now with inbound marketing, like you can generate leads for an inbound person and pay them less. And that's, that is the, the monumental shift that's happening where you don't need a hunter. You need someone that can convert. And what I'd love to do, Jason, is I just pulled some statistics that I think will get you fired up. Come and I, I don't know how much time you have. I don't want to take up your whole day. Come but um, these are our secret shopper call statistics so, from 2019. Now, so Kelly, tell them what the secret from- shopper is. Tell them that what you do. A lot of people don't know. Yeah. So we, depending on which programs you have, and we do them independently as well, some of our programs include secret shoppers where we have a team of 12 people that will call up and say, Hey, I'm moving to your town or I'm buying a business over here and I need insurance. And we, we basically, they go through the whole process, they get a quote and they fill out a survey and shoot a video of their experience for the agency. And then we take that and we aggregate that data to say, are you better or worse? Or where, what are your big areas from a sales process perspective that we need to focus on? So here's, here's, here's the top statistics, right? So 86.4% of the time, the agent did not build value in themselves or why to do business with them personally. So it's a wow. transaction, right? It's not like, let me tell you, I'm Kelly Donnie. This is why you want me to be your agent. They, they don't do any of that. Like the a whole idea is, is that you're just getting a quote and I'm not special. And we face this huge amount. Like we force people to write a personal pitch and they get really overwhelmed. You're like, well, they're not buying because of me. And I'm like, yes, they are. If I'm going to give you my social security number, you bet your bottom dollar I want to hear a little bit about how awesome you are first. I've never um, thought of that, Kelly. I've never, I've never. Why aren't you building value in themselves? Yeah. Like for most people, you want a relationship. So being an independent agency, we are the least convenient way to do business. So when someone calls into an independent agency, they are looking for a relationship and we need to provide that. We are the least. <laughs> we are. So much we, need one, we need one more painful way to buy insurance other than an independent agent. It's the truth. It's the truth. Oh, I love this industry, but that's the truth, girl. That is the truth. By the grace of God, someone calls in, and then we're going to just basically treat them like a transaction? Are you kidding me? You know, like, they're not calling those guys because they want a relationship. They want to do business locally, and then we treat them. I remember I was in an agency in Iowa, and they're telling me, we have a small-town agency feel. And I'm like, oh, so do you call people at renewal? No. Okay, when somebody calls in to get a quote, how long does it take? Personal line's about a week. I'm like, okay. So you're really serving your community here. (laughs) We're we're really serving them. But this gets better, Jason, because 88.32% of the time, the agent did not explain what an independent agency was to the caller and how it benefits them. So if our number one thing is choice, 88% of the time, my secret shopper noted that there was no discussion of what an independent agency is or what the process would be. Okay. Wow. This is good stuff. 54% of callers felt the call was a transaction rather than an opportunity to build a relationship. Only 38% of the time, the agent asked how the caller heard about the agency. 54% of the time, the agent quoted exactly what was requested and did not attempt to cross-sell. 48% of the calls, the quotes were emailed without a call to explain the quote. So about half the quotes are just getting emailed with no explanation. Oh my gosh. Better, 29% of the callers never actually received a quote. So 30% of the time, Jason, my secret shoppers gave them every single piece of information and never got a quote. Didn't get it. After two weeks. Do you know why I'm real? 
loyal listeners, you know why I'm real? Because I'm not going to sit here and say that this is not my agency. This is an average, folks. If if 75% of the people in the world are shopping their insurance every year, that means 75% of your book. If fifty, if thirty-eight percent of them, as you said, are not uh, what was the thing, uh, was not um, asking how they found out about them, that's probably thirty-eight percent of your book, Mister Loyal or Mrs. Loyal. Well, and this is by the way, this is two hundred and fifteen secret shopper calls done over the year. So this isn't like a small sample, right. Wow. right? This isn't. This is like off over you know dozens and dozens of agencies. This isn't like oh, that's just one agency that's got a big problem. This is like a smattering, and again. You know some of the people I work mm-hmm. with. Like we also work with a lot of high profile agencies. Mm-hmm. So this is not like, oh, I must be working with the bottom no. of the barrel. Right? No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> so fifty eight percent of quotes had no follow up after delivering the quote, and sixty five percent of the callers said they would not have purchased from the agent. What sixty? What? Sixty five percent of the callers would not have purchased. But I mean, here's wow. the thing: if thirty percent of them never got a quote, it's pretty easy not to purchase. <laughs> good point. Good point. Good point. Good point. Good point. <laughs> kind of goes hand in hand there. Yeah. Wow, Kelly, I love it. I love the stuff that you're keeping track of, and I and I love your brain. I just flipped over to my podcast page to watch this recording. We're at an hour and three minutes. I, I swear to God, to I had no. <laughs> I had no idea that we were on that long. I mean, seriously, this has been fantastic. And I want and I want you to come back on because. I think there's a lot of stuff that you could learn, and we're going to talk about it afterwards. Loyal listeners, I can't prove it, but a lot of you that are coming to BrainShare are saying, Jason, bring her. I'm going to try, but she's like Brent Kelly, (laughs) and they're the toughest damn people to get in the world. And I have – Kelly, I probably got to book you out for BrainShare 2023. That's how tough you are to get on the – to get your – I don't know. I think think for for our special friends, we can make some – Okay. All right. (laughs) God, there you go, making me feel special on the last day of the year. Kelly, I appreciate your time. And Kelly, could you tell me um, something I haven't done with the listeners in a long time as we wrap this up is leaders and readers and readers are leaders. Haven't done yep. that in a while. What are you reading right now? You know, it's funny. I'm reading this book. I have this problem, Jason, where I, I feel like I have to finish a book, even if I don't love it. Um, and I don't really? love this. book. Yeah. I, I don't, it's like, I feel like maybe I'm going to miss something. Like maybe the plot's going to twist. <laughs> I'm like, like I, I, so I don't know. Um, it's actually a book I've struggled with. I have to, I feel bad. I don't know the name. It's all about sales and it's, I think it's called the challenger sell sales or the challenger seller. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like a different approach, but a lot of it's like big corporate sales. And so I'm kind of getting lost in some of the layers of it. It's got some bright points, but um, you know, I'm now kind of speed reading through it to get to the next book. Kelly, really appreciate it. Is there anything people want to find out more about you? They want to find out more about your company, more about you and your team. Where should they go? Probably a Delta Sky Lounge, but um, if, if you don't <laughs> hang out with Delta Sky Lounge, it's nearly as much as me. Um, what you can do is go to agencyperformancepartners.com and uh, that'll give you everything. There's even a link to book a meeting with me if you want to chat, uh, but check it out and definitely subscribe to our blogs. You know, We send out a blog every week with just different tips and tricks. We'd love to hear from you. We're on all social media channels, but Facebook is by far the most popular. So if you have a Facebook account and want to make a new connection, we'll gladly accept the friend request. 
That's awesome. I, Kelly, I really appreciate you coming on. I knew it would be good. This was good. We delivered like we should. And, um, you know, you're really good for the industry. Oh, uh, you. you really truly are. I mean that with all my heart. Um, I, I know I did. We really didn't get into what your past was. Um, I thought about that, you know, to bring people who you are, but it doesn't really matter. They know that you are um, you are really unleashing some some really great information, and the fact that you keep track of it and uh, and let our and to give feedback to who you're serving, I think is 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 phenomenal. One of the things is is I think we do a lot of business today as agency owners, and we don't really check. We don't really check and see like, do they have proven results? Right? Is this more than just someone just blabbing and talking, just trying to get my money? I mean, it's kind of like um, it's kind of like. There was a, a couple marketing people back in 2015, 2016 that really figured out how to yeah. do some Facebook ads, right? Well, then like in six months, there was 15 people <laughs> that were experts in doing Facebook ads. And when you actually really started to get behind the scenes and look, you would realize like this person was successful on one or two ads. And now all of a sudden they think they can teach this to every agent out there. And I think consultants are that way. Marketers are that way. Everybody's that way. And it's the ones that we bring to the top. And Kelly, I do. I get a lot of people, especially on LinkedIn, that hit me. Oh, you should see this new way that I'm helping account managers. I'm becoming this consultant. Can I come on your podcast? I want everybody who's listening right now to know, if you ask me to come on my podcast and you're not somebody who like is a Ryan Hanley or a Brick Kelly or an Aaron Nutting or Alicia Cavanaugh, you're not somebody <laughs> like that. Like, don't ask me. Like, and I, and I hate to say that, but like, I've already got my whole stuff like booked out. Right. And so then like, I, then I have to throw stuff in. So I'm not trying to be rude. It's just, um, Kelly, the reason I say that and loyal listeners, the reason I say that is not to be rude, not to be thankful and not to have gratitude for who you are. The majority of the people who reach out to me usually have their own self-serving interest. And that's not what we use this platform for. And so I really appreciate you taking your time to come on here because it's people like you that we've got to continue to echo. And so thank you very much, Kelly, for everything that you do. Oh, my pleasure. Like I said, I woke up excited like Christmas part two to be on the podcast. So, Well, and it was a great hour and eight minutes. And so for everybody out there, this has been Jason Cash with Agents Influence Podcast. Tell me your thoughts and tell me your ideas. I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Jason Cass with Kelly Donahue Pirro, and we are out. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good. Terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you've got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial. But you've got time to search it and look at it. 
That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you, and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland, and we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.